you platform musicians. Amen. How many glad you're in the house of God again on a Sunday night? Amen. Praise God. God is going to help us tonight. Before we get into the preaching, we do have another testimony. Again, we went out last night, uh, street preaching slash drama skit. Uh, had some amazing things happen. Uh, God stirred uh, his people up. Uh, I believe the, the, the message of the gospel went forth. Uh, and how many believe by faith that someone heard and possibly even uh, got saved or potentially may even come out? Can you say amen? And so we'll have our brother Danny, Danny come up to give a testimony. Y'all give him a hand. feels like, huh? It's making me all nervous. It's been a long time. My name is uh, Danilo, but uh, everybody called me Danny. I would say back in the days, and uh, we used to go outreach a lot in Hawaii and uh, other states yeah, the, that I was uh, living at that time. And uh, we have uh, one time, one thing that reminded me last night when we went to outreach. Uh, sorry, I'm a little bit nervous right now. You guys making me nervous. Stop looking at me. <laughs> Jeez, you guys can make a person swear right here. Anyways, uh, Pastor uh, Steve Pinnick is his name, and uh, I'm excited because I'm going to be able to see him this week. And uh, he came to Hawaii one time to preach for us, do a revival for us, and uh, he kind of gave us a tutorial on how to outreach and uh, how to get, like, uh, radical in the streets. So he used to make us go to the street, you know, and like make eye contact with the people as we were witnessing, you know, to them. And uh, when people would open the windows, he would, hey, hey, run over there, look, the window's open. And we would run, you know, and touch the flyers. Sometimes people try to back at us, you know. It was exciting. So I saw that spirit just today. And I kid you now, my heart was still up because of that. I was feeling like, whoa, I feel like I'm back in the days again. Brother is back, you know. I was really excited, and I saw, uh, I, I don't know if you're saying her name right, but I think her name is Joy, Joy or Joy, something like that. But she was going, like, radical, you know. Like, she see a window open, she was like, I mean, all of a sudden, she was all the way across the street over there. I was like, she's going to get run over or something. <laughs> Go she's, you know, it was really exciting. I just told her, you know, like, outreaching. Really uh, uh, stir up your spirit, lift your spirit, encourage you, and make you more uh, radical. So if you're not attending to outreaches or, or uh, like we did, we used to do something that we used to call a rap attack. Albert was the rap guy. One thing that I used to have is like uh, I always practice what I was going to say, and sometimes I wanted to get right next to Albert and rap too. So I would rap songs in my head and get ready, and I was like all excited, yeah, I'm going to do it. And when I get there, I just go, creak, 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 creak. <laughs> it happens to me yesterday again. It was the same thing. Like all day, I was like, yeah, I'm going to tear it up for kids. I'm just going to go in there, and I, man. I'm going to blow the windows of those cars tomorrow. And when I got there, Danny, creak, 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 creak. I was like, what the heck am I going to say? I just want to encourage you, uh, go outreach. It really helps you out. I mean, uh, stir up your heart, your spirit, and uh, it gets you closer to the family of Christ, to the church, you know. It gets you to hang out with people, get to know them better. 
And sometimes, yeah, you don't even know what to say out there, but just watching others doing the will of God and are witnessing unto others, watching others, you know, pray, you know, when you witness to them, it really, really stir up your heart and your spirit and encourage you to keep serving God and going to every uh, uh, church event or whatever we have. Whatsoever. That's all I got. Thank you very much for coming. Amen. Awesome testimony. Amen. That's what outreach do to you. Can you say amen? Uh, again, we did have a great time, and, and so a tremendous blessing. Uh, tonight, uh, uh, if you could turn to the book of John, the book of John chapter 4, uh, 5 through 14. How many enjoyed that message this morning by Pastor? Amen? Uh, really just got even more stirred, and just every time I... You hear messages like that. If you wasn't here this morning, go check that out. That's an awesome message. Uh, again, thank my pastor for allowing me to be able to minister to you guys this evening. I'm really excited about this sermon and, and that God will compel his church. Amen. John chapter 4, 5 through 14. How many love in the summertime when, you, when your AC is working? Amen. How many love in... In the winter time, when that when that heat is working, all right, you know, ain't nothing like you know. We we so privileged, you know. We get high, we can just go to it. You know, think that at one point that stuff didn't exist. But anyway, just beginning to think about uh, the central air system and how it works. Um, and so you know, I was talking with Brother George about this in regards to how it all works. You know, sometimes we can. Uh, experience something, have something to our pleasure, but not necessarily know the ins and outs of how it works. And he began to talk about how the unit, uh, you know, each, uh, you know, uh, 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 central air system has a unit. And from this unit, there are like several supply ducts that come off that unit. And many of you probably are aware you, in your house, you see those vents that's coming in different places and where air is coming. And so that supply duct begins to uh, blow air in the house. You know, and it begins to blow. And, you know, many of us, uh, you know, again, uh, we don't know how things work, but we enjoy that air, right? We begin to enjoy the air. There's also, you probably notice in your house somewhere, maybe one or two places, uh, you see these big old vents that hangs over your house or wherever it might. That's called the return. And, you know, what that does is, especially when it's AC, uh, you know, when the air is blowing, uh, that return uh, begins to suck out the, the warm air from our house. Uh, it goes back into the unit uh, and it begins to circulate over and over. In other words, the same air that's going uh, uh, and coming and returning is the same air that's blowing as well as it returned. And, you know, I begin to think about this central air system and how it correlates to evangelism. You know, in many ways, church, we're like the supply ducts. Where that supply duct comes off that unit, that unit being God. Come on, this is God's message. And we are that supply duct, uh, you know, that go into that house, a.k.a. a soul. And how many know when that air blows through that house, as I just mentioned, uh, how many know we're refreshing, we're rejoicing because we're not hot? Well, that same air, us being that supply duck, uh, you know, how many know uh, the message of the gospel, amen, is breathing life into those that are in that house. 
But here's where I want to put emphasis on this evening. I talk about a return. And this return, again, as I spoke about, uh, you know, it begins to pour air uh, out of the house. Uh, it goes back uh, into its own dust, all the way back through the unit. Uh, can I tell you, and, and what happens is the whole unit, when it's operating properly, everybody is happy in that unit, in that supply duck, because it doesn't have to work so hard, it rejoices. Uh, that's a picture of evangelism uh, when we're outreached, that we in return are full of joy. Can you say amen? This is called the return. And see, I believe without a doubt that there's a return that takes place in our hearts. When we're witnessing and we're sharing our faith, there's an exciting joy and renewing that takes place in us. When we're spreading the gospel to others, there's a supernatural effect that God does in our life when we center our life with the responsibility to tell others about Jesus. And I want to preach a sermon I've entitled Let's go on in reach. Let's go. Because many times we begin to think about the terminology. Let's go on outreach. And yes, uh, the idea there is that we're witnessing. Uh, we know we are spreading the gospel. But many times uh, when your heart's full of joy uh, and your mind is in the right place, uh, there's a return joy that comes from the very thing that we're trying to believe God for in the life of others. I encourage you, want to compel you uh, in regards to uh, outreaching and just have a, listen, there's joy that comes to those that are sharing the gospel. And in our text, we've got a very familiar portion of the text. We're going to begin to see, this is a very familiar portion of scripture, Jesus and the Samaritan woman. I want to really begin to break down and how all this works. Verse 4, chapter 4, 5 through 14. So he came into a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot ground of Jacob, and he gave to his son Joseph. Now jo Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, and a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, Ask a, a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Verse 10, and Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock. Then Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Let us pray, church. Heavenly Father, God, I just ask God right now as we come before you, God. God, may our hearts be open, God. Oh, God, and what you would do to the believer, those that share their faith of this gospel, this hope, God. God, that there's a return, uh, there's a rejoice, there's a joy uh, that's returned uh, into the believer that shares their faith. Uh, God, I pray this message compel your people to witness more, to be encouraged to do so, God, as you fill our lives with that same joy as those that are receiving it. God, we ask all these things uh, in your mighty name of Jesus Christ uh, and all God's people said amen.
Let's go on in reach. How many know when something simultaneously happens, it literally means that something occurs at the same time? In our text, uh, Jesus and disciples are on their way to uh, Jerusalem. They decide to go to Samaria. Just a little backstory. Uh, you know, uh, many times uh, when they was coming from this particular route, uh, they would have rather take the long way uh, and go through Jericho uh, to get to Jerusalem primarily because there was a hatred among the Samaritans and the Jews. For many different reasons uh, or another, but they would take, uh, you know, they would rather take the long way uh, just so they didn't have to engage with the Samaritans. And here it is, Jesus engages, uh, he takes this route through Samaria, he meets this Samaritan woman in a conversation, he begins to witness to her, if you will, she eventually, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, gets saved down the road, uh, but I want to focus on things, what, what, what happened, because two things are happening right here in our text. Yes, indeed, uh, Jesus' greatest need, uh, you know, you begin to look at the surface and say his greatest need uh, was in need of a drink of water. But how many know God's greatest need under the surface was to win the loss? To win the loss. Jesus' need for water as well, but Jesus desired to win the loss. Jesus told his disciples, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Jesus was speaking to the joy that he had in his own heart for the Samaritan woman and all those from her village that will soon get saved. Now, I want to go a little deeper what really happens inside of us when we evangelize this evening in the hope, again, that it will co compel all of us to witness more. First, I want to look at the inside job of, of evangelism. The inside job of evangelism how many know there's indeed a return portion that comes back when you and I are evangelizing? An inside job, if you will, is something that God does inside of us when we're constantly pouring out to others. How many believe that? One of the things that, that evangelizing does inside of us is that it renews and refreshes our spirit. Verse 6, the Bible says, now Jacob well was there Excuse me. And Jesus, therefore, being weary from his journey, uh, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour and a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. In our text, uh, Jesus is wearied from his journey. The Bible says he's tired. Uh, he's obviously thirsty. Uh, matter of fact, John puts emphasis that this was around about the sixth hour of the day, which would have uh, been around noon. Uh, it's hot, uh, and there's a desperate need for water, something to refresh him. And here it is. Uh, Jesus asked the Samaritan woman for a drink of water, and almost simultaneously as they're beginning to discuss him wanting water, it leads to Jesus offering the Samaritan woman a different kind of water. And here it is. Watch this. We see a weary Jesus uh, 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 go from being weary and thirsty to becoming refreshed and revived. But notice, church, it wasn't by receiving any water, but it was by him offering the water. That was a good place to say amen. Now, here it is. Uh, he's asking for a drink. No doubt he's thirsty. He's been walking. Uh, and now uh, he asks this lady to give him a drink. Uh, and now, uh, you know, uh, we be see, begin to see God begin to get refreshed uh, as he's talking to this woman. But it didn't come from a drink of water. It came from offering the water. See, it was through Jesus sharing the gospel that actually refreshed him. Are you hearing me tonight? This is the return that when you're sharing the gospel, when you're sharing your faith, uh, there is a strength, amen, that comes 
When we're witnessing, when you're witnessing, there's a refreshing that comes, church. See, Scripture tells us that those who refresh others will th themselves be refreshed. Proverbs 11.25 See, something happens inside of us, church, when a person's witness. This is the return that I'm talking about tonight. See, when a person shares their faith, it's not just the person that you're talking to that benefits from it, but you do as well. God does something in us. There's a joy that rises up in, in us when you're sharing what you truly believe tonight. There's a joy that rises up uh, when someone else receives that same joy and hope that perhaps you received weeks, uh, 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 years, or even months ago. It begins to re uh, you know, reiterate when you made that decision and how you're still making that decision to live for God. So how many of you ever gone on outreach uh, and you didn't want to go? Like Jesus, uh, you was weary and tired from doing whatever. How many have been there? You're tired, you're weary, you know the ne uh, you know, necessity for souls to be saved. It took everything for you to get out of bed. You're weary, you're tired, uh, but then you get there and you get on outreach. Uh, and how many have been there afterwards? You're like, I needed that. I needed that. You know, you, know, you was weary and tired, but now from outreaching, from pouring out that very thing that takes energy, you have been refreshed. Listen, there's a return. There's a joy. There's things that are happening in the spiritual and in the practical when we're sharing our faith. You know, again, like Jesus, many times, listen, we become weary and tired in witnessing church. How many know witnessing and, get, and gearing ourselves up sometimes is a struggle? And I don't know about you, but my body, you know, my 43-year-old body ain't always up for it. I just look like this now. Oh, Pastor Howard always on goal. You don't know. <laughs> See how that run? Hey, you know, it ain't always just, you know, it, you know, because I'm just, you know, have, no. Sometimes this 43-year-old body says, you ain't going nowhere. What city you going to? You ain't going there neither. See, if you like me, many times evangelizing and just doing the will of God in general, it gets tiring. When one considers the effort that it takes many times in witnessing, the adrenaline that comes from evangelism, sometimes the excitement of just wanting to see uh, somebody pray and get saved, and many times they don't. That makes us weary sometimes. The reality of dealing with people that aren't as open as you would like them to be, come on somebody. All of these different dynamics while you're still wearied and tired. You know, I was talking to Pastor. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, hey, man, you know, you know, going out, doing these evangelism, that's cool and all. I don't know how long I'm going to be able to do this. As exciting as it is, uh, the things and the different dynamics, listen, church, it takes a lot of energy. Many times uh, when I'm waiting to go to these classes, I'm sitting in my hotel, every bit of me just say, hey, man, just sit here and do nothing and wait till the night. Ain't part of the revival anyway. That's extra. I'm just telling you now what I'll be talking about by myself, you know. <laughs> Letting you into my world. But many times like Pastor, I tell my wife, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know how long it's tiring. But I know every time when I do go and when you go and you do it often, listen, you will be refreshed. 
There's a joy that comes in return, like that air system that I talked about uh, when you're pouring out. With that said, in the midst of our weariness, in the midst of tiredness, church, combating people, listen, uh, refreshing begins to happen also. This is the return, church. God begins to do something in us. God begins to stir up things in our heart. This same joy and comfort that the person uh, 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 receiving have, uh, we get in return. See, it's ironic, church, that the conversation is, is about water in itself. It's refreshing. You begin to think about uh, Jesus and the Samaritan woman. They're talking about, they're talking about water, something that, you know, our body uh, is refreshed by. How I many know Jesus could have started the conversations off the gate like, where are five husbands at? But he didn't do that. The scripture could have read like that. He got to it eventually. He could have walked up to her and, you know, where are the five husbands at? But it was something significant about talking about water. Here he is. He's thirsty, as the scripture says. And the same thing that he's quenching for, he offers. And it is here. What in the water that refreshed God? It was him talking. It was him talking. See, this is what it means to have that return. This is what begins to happen when we're evangelizing. When we are witnessing and we're, we're being strengthened in so many areas of our life. Jesus goes from being weary to strengthen. See, evangelism gives strength to us that are weary sometimes. This is the return. It's not just sharing the gospel with others and folks getting saved and strengthened. No, we're getting strengthened. God is doing things in our life. Even when folks aren't praying or responding the way, you know, that you would like this, we're still being strengthened. God is still building stuff in our lives. You know, every time we witness and return, something supernatural begins to take place, church. Again, there's a stirring, a, there's a strengthening that's happening when we're pouring out. Again, as I said earlier, how many times, again, you've gone on, on outreach, you're tired, etc. But as you get to going and you get to talking, you get some good witnesses and you're like, hey, man, you know. I could do this all day, and the reality comes back. No, you won't. See, again, we call it outreach. But it's really in reach. It's for us as well. Another return that comes back to us while we're witnessing that it reaffirms who you are in Christ and what you believe. When you're witnessing, testifying, it reaffirms, uh, you know, uh, who you are in Christ and what you believe tonight. I'm not going to lie, listen, it's hard for me to understand uh, how people that are saved uh, and living for God, yet it's not being confirmed to others out of their own mouth. See, witness ultimately at the end of the day reaffirms uh, what you believe. It reaffirms how you live. It reaffirms who and what's important in, the, in, in that person's life. See, I'm convinced the more a person shares his or her faith, uh, the more I believe that person is more convinced of what happened to them. The more you're sharing your faith, uh, the more you're telling others uh, about this saving grace, uh, this, this, this Jesus Christ that died uh, for our sins, uh, the more, you know, it begins to confirm uh, what you believe happened in your life. See, this has bigger meaning than, than just folks getting saved. This has a lot to do with you. See, witnessing is the evidence to what you believe, church. 
How can we truly believe and trust in Jesus and who he is if it's hardly ever said from your mouth verbally to others? Can I make a bold statement tonight? Can I make the argument that those that lack faith in the things of God, whether it be moments of trust or continuous doubt you may have or just never having enough faith to take risks to challenge yourself, could a small percentage of your lack of faith be tied to the lack of faith you have in not sharing your faith? In other words, if you're here tonight and you know it seems like when it comes down to this thing in faith and trusting God with various areas of your life, could that be linked that you don't have faith to show your faith? Again, us witnessing reaffirms what we believe, who we are. Could it be that you have no faith because you don't share your faith? See, you hardly ever confirm your faith to others. Therefore, there's a lack of faith that takes place in our own life that suffers. Could this be a link? See, Jesus knew what he believed when he asked her for a drink uh, of water. He knew of the saving power of grace uh, of what he, was, he, he could do into this woman's life. Jesus was confirming uh, who he already was, uh, uh, you know, which is this actual living water. I mean, it's the same with us when we're sharing our faith. When we're confirming what's already in us, and for me, uh, listen, that's the return that we need, church. See, evangelism has a way of taking the attention off yourself and putting it on others. Many times for me, when I'm evangelizing, I'm witnessing, uh, you know, because, uh, again, you're taking the attention, the sacrifice that it takes to get out there sometimes. Uh, you know, again, the effort that we're putting out there. And listen, I know we have our own problems. You know, sometimes we feel like, hey, I'm trying, I'm trying to see souls saved and stay saved at the same time. Lord, that's tough. <laughs> but many times I found that when I'm witnessing, it's like, you know what, this stuff don't even matter. My mind, my heart is focused on the lost. It's almost like Jesus forgot about him being thirsty, about, about him being thirsty. Think about it. He asked for, you never hear him again ask for a drink of water. There was a point there. Not once after that, when he asked for that drink of water, did we uh, see that again. Likewise, I believe when we are about the Father's business, uh, we're constantly sharing our faith. Can you say amen? And God is helping us. See, evangelizing and being the, you know, many times you begin to think about it being the will of God. How many of that's the biggest return right there? Jesus said it's the will of God. You see, evangelism can't uh, be as nourishing to us as it is designed to be if it's only done every now and then. Come on, somebody. You see, evangelism must be the will of God. But if it's just a Saturday thing, could this be the reason that there's not much return happening back in our life? See, it ain't just something that we do as a church. This ain't something that we just do on Saturday. It is the will of God. Listen, church, when Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature in the, the Bible, the Bible didn't say it was a great suggestion. It didn't say it was a great idea. It didn't say it was a great idea only on Saturday. It said it was a great commission. The great commission, church, and this is the heart. Listen, evangelism is the will of God. Not just something that we just do. 
Jesus found great satisfaction in doing the will of God, even when he was tired and wearied. There may be folks here, you saying, Pastor, I don't, you know, I hear you. But many times when I'm witnessing, you know, I, I don't feel that return. I don't feel strength. I don't, you know, I, every now and then I feel that joy. I, I feel, you know, but for me, I, you know, I'm always, could it be something dealing with your heart? Could it be something uh, that's going on with our heart to, in regards to people? Secondly, I'm going to look at adjusted hearts. Because how many know, church, the moment we begin to allow our hearts to become adjusted from our original goal and intent of evangelizing and why we do what we do, which is to share the love of God with people and with zeal, how many know it would be that same moment that you become less effective and then that joy don't come both ways Can you say amen? It would be at that same time that our hearts, uh, you know, would lose zeal and passion for doing it. I mean, many times on outreach, you know, uh, a lot of interesting things happen when, you know, and, you know, that the enemy many times, you know, he, he's there. I mean, no, the enemy's on outreach. He's there. And, you know, many times uh, one of the heart adjusters that I believe the enemy uses is that, that heart adjuster uh, of being thrown off by the first person you witness to. Right? You get out on outreach, maybe you're pumped up, you're ready to go, you got the victory, you just left prayer, and then that first witness in your mind was a bad one. Many times we don't feel or experience the joy to return because, you know, we've been knocked out in the first round. It's almost like people have allowed the devil to Mike Tyson them early. You know, Mike Tyson knocked people out in the first round. A lot of times it's like that, the first three minutes, boom, we gone. We're seeing stars. The witness didn't go the way we want to or whatever. And what happens, our heart now become adjusted. Things are beginning to happen. You know, what if Jesus was knocked off his rockers the first time he witnessed to this woman? Verse 7 says, And the woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for the disciples have gone away. And then this woman of Samaria said, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me? See, Jesus, how I many like Jesus didn't allow the Samaritan woman to steal his joy? He eventually protected, uh, you know, uh, from, from her stealing her own joy that would come later. You know, many times we're robbing ourselves of the joy we're supposed to have early on in the witness, early on in outreach. And many times, if we're honest, we sometimes don't feel refreshed or like God is doing something on the inside because our attitudes become tainted on outreach. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, asked for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? How I many know this wasn't an easy witness off the gate? You know, she was giving some pushback a little bit. This is the beginning of the witness. Jesus asked to give her a drink. Jesus asking her for a drink is the equivalent at the initial when you pass out that flyer to somebody. That's what that was. He said, give me a drink. That's like you passing out that flyer. And the only thing that she can say is, uh, you know, why are you talking to me? You are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. You can almost see the attitude in the situation, especially with her being a woman. Like, what are you talking to me for? See, some of us, we'll be done right there. Early in the witness, 
Then, you know, then she says, you know, uh, you know, for Jews have no dealings uh, with Samaritans. And because, you know, she was a woman, y'all, you know, she jerked her head when she said it. The attitude there. Most of y'all ladies, that was you, you know, you're like, I'll pull you by your ponytail and bring you to church. <laughs> See, many times it's because of the attitude. If we're not careful, we have an attitude. It becomes a snare. The Bible says this woman, then she says, uh, you have nothing to draw with. Uh, you know, uh, your well is deep. It's almost like at this point she's a little aggravated. This is like the equivalent of her looking at that person, looking at your father. Where's your little church at anyway? Right? Yeah, but I think I've been to the little church before. And you just kind of just being patient. And you're like, she said something about my little church. One more time. <laughs> my little church. She said something about my little church. One more time, man. Because I'm losing in this Walmart. <laughs> but see, my point is here, church. It is here where that thing that's supposed to be joyful and exciting begins to be taken away because of other people's responses. See, maybe we can't experience that return that we're supposed to and evangelize because outreach, we come to outreach already thinking negative. You show up to outreach already defeated. You're still worrying about the outreach from last week and now it has just carried on to this one. Perhaps this could be the reason uh, why we're not feeling the joy and being strengthened and refreshing as we should when we're outreaching. We are, how many know you can't allow the last uh, outreach or various different things to interfere with this one? New day, uh, new people. But see, could this be why we don't feel refreshed? Again, we're talking about a return tonight, church. That we are, that is designed, amen, through evangelism for us to feel a joy and a happiness when we're outreaching. You see, the mark of experiencing the return that God does in our life is, is maintaining our joy no matter what, church. You know, I can't believe they didn't take my flyer. I can't believe you, you know, they were just this rude. And it happens. Sometimes you might talk to people that keep walking. Go to the next person. Right? There's more than one person there. See, no matter what the results are tonight, you can't allow the enemy to have you walking away, uh, you know, feeling ineffective or making you, or trying to, again, listen, the enemy is out to steal our joy. Because he know, again, you know, it, 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 you know, we feel that joy in return when someone's saved and prayed. But if he can knock you off by the first person you talk to, if he can discourage you early on in the witness, uh, or whatever the case may be, uh, how many is right here where you feel like he has the upper, upper hand? Can you say amen? I want to look at, lastly, the joy that goes both ways tonight. The joy that goes both ways. Verse 25 through 30 of our text, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will Tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I speak to you. I am he. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled and he talked with the woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? Then the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the man, come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city 
and came to him. Here it is, this woman, she left her conversation with Jesus and went back into the city. She left so impressed that the Bible says that she left her water pot. You know, she's there to get water, but she's so excited uh, of meeting Jesus and what God, so she leaves, she goes to the village and begins to tell them, could this be the Messiah? How many know this is the type of joy that people, uh, that we want to desire to see people walk away with uh, knowing that their life has been transpired by Jesus? That they can have the joy of knowing that their sins are forgiven. That they don't have to second guess or live in condemnation no more. That they can have the joy of knowing that they serve a God of second chance, uh, one that gives hope and grace and mercy that's unlimited. This is the joy uh, that people are, you know, uh, are, are receiving when you and I go out uh, and spread the gospel. But see, it isn't just their joy. It's ours as well. Verse 35, 36 of our text, uh, he says, Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white uh, for harvest. Uh, and he who reaps uh, receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both, here it is, that both that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. This is the return, church. It isn't just them uh, getting saved and being joyful, uh, but there's something that begins to happen in us. The Bible says they rejoice together. See, church, how many know uh, we are the sowers uh, and they are the reapers, but we both rejoice together, Amen. This is the joy that goes both ways. This is the joy, amen, that goes not just to those that are receiving the gospel, but those that are distributing it. Consider the concept of joy that goes both ways from the perspective of a fisherman. How many of those that love fishing invest large amounts of money and time in the sport? They participate in fishing tournaments. Some of them have clubs that meet once a month. They ride their boats, competing in tournaments. They, you know, you know, fellowship with each other, etc. The solitude of just being out in the beauty of nature and just, you know, enjoying the water, even when the fish aren't biting. How many of true fishermen they enjoy that? You see, these men not only enjoy catching the fish. Being uh, Mr. Bob and Patrick Johnson, we always go out when he here. We never catch nothing. <laughs> I mean, we, we probably fell over the boat more times than just catching anything. And that right there is joyful. You know, hey, hey, Patrick Johnson, you know him. He's a fisher. You know, Mr. Bob, he has a boat. And I'm the one that's kind of like the oddball. I'm like, you know. Or whatever, but listen, uh, just riding and hanging out with those guys, uh, you know, the joy comes from that. We probably, we probably went out on the boat four times since, and probably caught one fish, and I caught the fish. <laughs> but the point is, church, uh, listen, that uh, the joy just doesn't come uh, for a true fisherman that catch the fish, but just simply fishing. That is us. That is the joy that goes both ways tonight. And listen, if we'll begin to grasp that uh, concept right here, church, uh, that true joy that comes from simply sharing your faith, there's a return that comes back to us. There's a, uh, 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 a return of refreshing and renewed. God just do something supernatural in our life, church. See, the ultimate goal, ultimate goal of sharing your faith, yes, is to see your person come to Jesus, come to the faith. But we should not allow a failure to win a soul to steal our joy 
of being involved. What a great privilege it is to share the gospel with others, church. See, we can discover the joy of evangelism by appreciating the incredible honor that's been bestowed and the responsibility to evangelize. See, sometimes, again, we have to sow the seed while others reap the harvest, but there's still a joy found at every stage of the evangelism process. I just want to encourage you tonight, simple message. But again, many times we'll go on outreach and, you know, our, our minds are so focused on souls being saved, and it should. But if your heart is right and there's real, a real passion and a joy to see people saved, listen, God begins to do something in you. God begins to do something. I close with this. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, uh, people are, hey, Pastor, you know, uh, it just seems like, you know, uh, all the time you're either talking about this or you're doing this and, you know, you're traveling, you're doing this. And, you know, like, why is it that you're so gassed up about this subject? I said, it's quite simple. If you saw the miracles that I'm seeing constant, if you heard the testimonies that I'm constantly hearing about how people's lives are being changed, if you're constantly hearing how churches are still stirred and things are happening, and even here in our own city, you'll be happy and you'll be on 10 too. In other words, when you see God move so much in an area, listen, it'll compel you to keep witnessing. And listen, this is why the return of the joy and the renewing is on 10. This is why. It's just like anything, church. When you begin to be driven about something, especially in the things of God, no matter what it is. Because this is designed, amen, that you could be able to see the fruits of God. Not just in the, you know, uh, the, uh, those that are, that are being saved, but also in the laborers. Can you say amen? amen? This is the return cycle of evangelism. That as you pour out, God pours in. Can I have every head bow, every eye closed tonight?